everybody. This is Jeannie Faulkner, and you are listening to Common Sense Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics, where we talk about all of that and then some. We talk about pregnancy stuff, parenthood stuff, feminism, prenatal care, postpartum life, and a whole lot of common sense health, fitness, and living advice. I'm the author of the book, Common Sense Pregnancy, which you can find everywhere books are sold, and it's chock full of information and advice that you need to navigate your prenatal care and birth safely. It's based on my many years of labor and delivery nursing, parenting, and work in global maternal health. It's all in there, so if you're pregnant, thinking about getting pregnant, or know somebody who's pregnant, go pick up a copy. If you uh, want an autographed one, just go on over to my website, jeanfogner.com, and I'll sign it and get it out the door to you super fast. Now, we've been talking a lot about politics this month because May is the month our you know members of Congress and government leaders pay the most attention to mothers. Mother's Day, right? But we're also talking about it because if you're paying the least amount of attention to the news and world around us, you're going to notice that our government leaders are making major decisions that directly impact our health, women's health, maternal health, child health, plus our abilities as women and mothers to earn a living and support our families. It's happening as we speak. And just this week, the Trump administration announced their proposal to strip federal Title X funding from healthcare organizations if they provide, refer, or even discuss abortion as a healthcare option, even in the context of critical health situations. That means that providers can't have full range, comprehensive, sensitive, and normal healthcare discussions with their patients. If they do give women all the information they might need to make their own informed decision, then their clinic will no longer be eligible to receive federal funding which means they'll no longer be able to provide any services to women who come to them and desperately need health care. This is particularly dangerous and punitive for women of color, low-income women, uninsured women, rural women, and believe it or not, to men who get sexual and reproductive health services at federally funded clinics. Now, Regardless of how you feel about abortion and women's rights to make their own autonomous, independent healthcare decisions regarding their own bodies and lives, a right to access safe legal abortion is currently the law of the land, and it has been for decades. This new mandate, which is being called a gag rule, isn't about whether we can use Title X funding to pay for abortions. We don't do that with federal funds now, and we haven't for ages and ages, if ever. The law of the land has long been that the federal government does not fund and pay for abortions. They do, however, fund healthcare organizations that provide lots of other much-needed life-saving healthcare services, like family planning, gynecology services, prenatal care, and other women's health services. What the new proposal says is that It's not enough for the government to already not fund abortion services. They're now saying they won't fund any of these other services if providers even discuss it. But what sense does that make? Women aren't stupid. We know how to sort information we receive in logical, sensible ways, you know, to make our own choices. 
Do politicians really think that by forcing providers to keep women ignorant about their legal health care options and avoid providing comprehensive health care information, that they're doing anything other than inflicting intentional harm on women? Do a select few politicians in power really think that their rights to their personal religious or moral imperatives and their apparent ignorance about the health care services women need are more important than a woman's right to affordable birth control or mammography or pap smears or blood pressure screening? Seriously? This, my friends, is what politics in action looks like right now in the year 2018, and it's something you should be paying very close attention to. Now, I spent this past week in Washington, D.C. at the National Care Conference, where every year several hundred women's rights and foreign assistance advocates like myself meet up for a few intense days of learning, training, and advocating on Capitol Hill. We heard from some really powerhouse speakers this year, like ex-Attorney General Sally Yates and Senator Amy Klobuchar and celebrity chefs Carla Hall and Asha Gomez. And we also heard from women who live and work in countries where women's rights are even less protected than they are here in the U.S. We heard about, oh, just heartbreaking, violent atrocities happening all over the world that are entirely gender-based. Now, one woman who was a speaker there, Alicia Lanchimba, she didn't speak English, so she stood on the stage in front of hundreds of women and men while her story was translated. Um, she traveled to this conference from you know the poor rural community that she lives in in Ecuador. And what happened to her as she told her story, we found out that at the age of 10, her parents had to send her out to work as a domestic servant, 10 years old. And her parents were so poor, they had to take her out of school and send her to work in a stranger's home. Now, come on, mamas, let's think about how hard, how excruciating that had to be for her parents. And then think about how that happens to little girls all over the world, all the damn time, even today in countries where girls and women have no chance of any sort of education or economic opportunity. They work in other people's houses, and that's where over the next many years, Alicia, you know, from little girlhood until early adulthood, was abused, sexually harassed, threatened, beaten, and had her pay withheld by a man and a family that knew they could totally get away with it because their government either didn't have laws to protect her or didn't enforce the ones that are intended to protect women and girls like Alicia from gender-based violence. Well, Alicia found her escape and went on to become a women's rights activist for other domestic workers and helped form a union of peasant and indigenous organizations. It's an amazing story of survival and power, but there was something else about her that truly, honestly amazed me. Uh, Alicia was dressed in traditional clothing for Ecuadorian Ecuadorian women. You know, she had shawls on and she was wrapped really uh, in layers of clothing. And she stood on stage and spoke eloquently about her experience and resolve to prevent the same thing happening to other women as had happened to her. She was dignified and articulate and elegant. What I didn't notice until she walked off stage was the seven-month-old baby that was strapped to her back. This woman gave a totally badass speech with a baby on her back in front of hundreds of women 
And that baby was so quiet and content, it never made a peep. That was an amazing act of motherhood. And that was politics in action. Now, and I'm, you know what, if you want to know more about Alicia or about global women's rights and gender-based violence and how you can help change the world for world change in women like Alicia, go on over to care.org and careaction.org and everything you need to know is there. Okay, let's take a quick break. And then I want to tell you about a really essential article and podcast that I want every parent to read and download. Okay, we're back. And about that article. So while I was traveling this week, um, I was on planes and trains and buses, and I listened to a whole lot of podcasts. Among them, an episode on Dear Sugars, which is uh, hosted by Cheryl Strayed and Steve Almond. And you can find that podcast over at New York Times. So this episode was about all the invisible emotional work that most women do in their households, that most guys are totally unaware of and probably take for granted. The episode of Dear Sugars was called Emotional Labor, the Invisible Work Most Women Do. And in it, they interviewed Gemma Hartley about an article she wrote last year for Harper's Bazaar called Women Aren't Nags, We're Just Fed Up. And it was about the emotional labor that most men don't understand. What kind of labor? It's the stuff that I call family project management. It's the meal planning, bill paying, hair braiding, camp planning, dental and healthcare management, play date, housework, and holiday management. The list is long, and it's usually all done by women. Even in homes where men do their share of household duties like dishes and laundry, dudes are mostly entirely off the hook for all these little endless details that are required for running a household and raising the kids. For instance... Ask a mom what size shoe her toddler wears. She'll know. She'll also know when that kid's due for vaccinations, whether her nine-year-old is signed up for after-school daycare, what time her preschooler needs to get to her play date. Now ask those children's dad, and he might know, but chances are pretty good that, you know, he might make a guess, but more likely he'll say, I'll ask my wife. That's because she's the one who knows. She's the one who buys the Christmas presents, even for his family, and makes sure the dog food gets purchased. She's the one that soothes the tantrums, dries the tears, talks through the big issues, plans the vacations, hires the plumber, and does all the research that's required to find the right orthodontist. She's the project manager, and most dads are totally off the hook. This happens even when mom and dad both work full time. It happens in my household and in households all over the world. And this, my friends, is what gender norms look like. Read the article, listen to the Dear Sugar episode, and then tell me if it doesn't resonate with you. And if you're pregnant with your first baby, or maybe you're just at the point in your family raising where you're really noticing what it means to be the mom of the house, as opposed to a dad, it's not too late to make changes. I talk a bit about establishing parental gender equity during pregnancy and the earliest parenting days in the book, Common Sense Pregnancy, and I encourage you guys to really give it some thought. Okay, that was a good long rant about the stuff on my mind right now after a big long week of travel. Let's take one more fast break, and then let's get to this week's guest. We're back and ready to chat. This week, we're going to talk with somebody who knows a thing or two about how women are the ones who usually manage their family's health and wellness. 
and her mission is to have moms model good fitness practices by staying fit themselves. Helen Byrne is Helene Byrne is an internationally recognized prenatal and postpartum health and fitness expert with over 25 years of experience. She's an award-winning author, publisher, and the founder of Be Fit Mom. Her mission is to educate, support, and motivate women to have the healthiest pregnancy and baby and to inspire women to lead their entire families to better health and wellness. Let's get Helene on the line. Hi, Helene. It's Jeannie. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing really well. It's a really pretty day here in Portland, Oregon. Where are you? I'm in Oakland, California. Oh. And uh, as of yet, our fog has not burnt off, so it's kind of a cool day. Well, the way that it works here in Portland is that every day has a chance of rain. And yesterday they predicted that it was going to be gloomy, gray, and horrible. And we've got sun patches, and that's all I need. Just give me the patches, and I'm okay. Yeah. 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 Well, Helene, I read your bio before we picked up the phone, but my first question is always this. Who are you, and what do you do? Well, I'm a uh, pre- and postnatal exercise specialist, and uh, I run an online business called Be Fit Mom. Uh, I'm an author. I'm a publisher. Um, I speak at fitness conventions. Um, And not surprisingly, I got into this pre-postnatal after my child was born. And I looked around at the fitness industry and realized, oh, we are doing this totally wrong. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. uh, And then I used kind of my skills of yoga, Pilates, Uh, dance, as well as um, kind of cutting-edge fitness core concepts. And I kind of pieced together the best of all of those worlds, and that's how I made a rehab system uh, for getting back in shape after pregnancy. So you're an author and publisher too? Mm -hmm. Yes, I am. Uh, what did you What did you write and publish? Tell me more about that. Yeah, so uh, wrote the book "Exercise After Pregnancy: How to Look and Feel Your Best," and then after the uh, book was written, um, everybody said, "Make videos, make videos," um, and so I did. And so I have a selection of videos that are both prenatal and postnatal, um, and they really focus on maintaining good core strength and functional alignment during pregnancy uh, and then the rehab afterwards because that's really the key um, to bouncing back fast as well as having a pain-free pregnancy is maintaining good core strength and alignment. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about that, but I'm still curious about my first question. So when you're not promoting business, what do you do? What's your life like? What do I do? Yeah, what's your life like? Um, what is my life like? Yeah. I putter around in the garden. Um, I'm, I'm a green thumb person. I love to grow vegetables. I have a selection of fruit trees in my backyard. Um, I go to the gym three or four times a week to get my workouts. Um, my husband and I walk up into hills and we hike our, with our dog a lot. I have a very active athletic young dog. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So we do a lot of that. Um, And are your kids grown or are they still small? Yep. No, I have a, my one child is full grown. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been doing this pre and post, I guess, since after he was born. And, you know, I didn't orig- originally intend to spend the rest of my career in pre and postnatal. But what happened was there was such a huge demand for it um, that it just kind of grew exponentially on its own. And then, of course, the wonderful part of being able to help moms into their transitional identity in motherhood, I mean, that's just such a wonderful place to be. It really is. It's a nice pocket. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it seems like every single week I am talking to women who start a business that fills a, a niche that women really, really need or expresses something that's really pertinent to women. And it happens during the postpartum period. And it, mm-hmm. seriously, we have this conversation almost every week that these fabulous right. ideas, creations, businesses, products come out of that postpartum period where you look around and you go, wait, where is it? It's not here. Right. I'll make it. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you know, the other thing about being a business owner um, with young children in the house is you get to decide, you know what? I'm turning off my computer at three o'clock so I can pick up my kid and have time to cook a healthy, do all this stuff. You can create the life balance that you need when you are a business owner. When you go out in the world and work for somebody else, they're not going to understand, oh, but you know, my kid's in a play this afternoon and I really want to be there. Yeah, that's really the truth of it. (laughs) Women and men, you know, look at our Mm -hmm. childcare, our, you know, our work-life balance after we have babies and we say, yeah, that's not going to work. That is a rather privileged position that I always like to, you know, mention that there are an awful lot of women who listen to the podcast and who are brand new postpartum moms that Nope, they're going to go back and work at the hospital or the diner or the hardware store or, you know, that's what they're going to do. And I do hope that those of us who have been able to kind of, you know, create this other model that we can reach out and share with the women who haven't gotten there yet or who may not be able to. Yeah, we need them. We need them working at the hospital and the diner and the hardware store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I want to say to all those women that are working at the hospital or wherever, that if you have a dream and you think that you have a good idea, pursue it. Because if you think that you have a great idea that can help other women like you, then that's a niche that you can fill. And is it scary to start a business? Absolutely. Is it a risk? Absolutely. Could you may not succeed? Absolutely. But... You can't succeed if you don't get out of the dugout and start taking your swings at the plate. So I highly recommend taking the risk and going for it. Well, let's get back to talking about the work you do in the world. Tell me a little bit more Mm -hmm. about your career path. How did you? Well, I started out um, actually as a dancer. I was a contemporary dancer when I was young, and I immediately found that I could earn a lot more money teaching fitness classes than I could teaching dance classes. Not (laughs) surprising. So 
<laughs> right. A lot more career choices there for me. And so I kind of straddled both worlds for a long time um, and, you know, went into the whole Pilates, yoga, core training, uh, teaching aerobics, private training, doing the whole thing kind of at the same time. Um, and then when my child was born, um, I realized while I love dance, that actually I belonged in that fitness birthing community more than the dance world. Hmm. Interesting. And so that, that's kind of how it started. And then, as I said, I put together this system of exercise because I tell you, when I was postpartum, I was shocked. I couldn't believe it. Here I was a fitness instructor and a professional dancer. I had worked out all throughout my pregnancy, great pregnancy, great delivery, bam, had my baby. And it was like all of my fitness had been erased. Yeah. It's a shocker, isn't it? <laughs> it is a shocker. No one warned you about that. So what I did is I treated my own body as if, you know, I, I was a client and I tested my, um, you know, where did my body actually function? Test back up, test back up, back up, back, back. And I realized I needed it to rebuild from the very basics. And if someone like me needed to, that really meant that every other mom needs to, too. Yeah. So that was kind of my spark. Yeah, yeah. Well, we talk a lot about fitness and all of its benefits here on the podcast, but um, you mentioned when we were emailing that you have some simple yet powerful steps that all women can take to kind of up their fitness factor. So what are they? What are the simple, powerful steps? The number one thing that you can do to improve your health and improve your baby's health, because you know, maternal fitness and fetal fitness are the same thing. Yeah. They're not separate. The number one thing you can do is do moderate level cardiovascular exercise daily or at least on most days of the week. It has been shown that cardiovascular exercise, when you do that and you increase your body's heart rate and your circulation, you increase the amount of oxygen and glucose that your baby gets through your placenta. Yeah, yeah. And then your baby's heart actually beats faster. So in a very real way, your baby works out when you do. And this basic increase in fuel and oxygen speeds fetal growth. Babies born to fit moms are stronger. They literally have more muscle and bone tissue than babies born to sedentary moms. They are healthier because mom's healthier. And most importantly, this is new. We see it in the animal studies that cardiovascular exercise increases the development of the neural cortex, the thinking part of our brain. So you can have a healthier, stronger, smarter baby by doing regular cardiovascular exercise during pregnancy. And not even all that much. Now, Half hour of moderate. That means? Go for it. That means that when you're doing your moderate level exercise, that you feel a little bit of work. 
that, yeah, it's somewhat difficult. So we want to throw away the old style, you know, oh, keep your heart rate under 140 beats per minute. That's no longer used. What's used is perceived exertion. So as long as you're going into a spot that you perceive is somewhat difficult, not super difficult, you never want to get to panting, but that's somewhat difficult, then you're in your proper training zone for pregnancy. And here's the cool thing. We can see benefits even from sedentary women who only walk 20 minutes a day. Which isn't much. Anybody can do that. Almost anybody can do that. Pretty much almost anybody can do it. And it's yeah. Free. Lace up your shoes, go out the door. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 Right. Right. So that's the number one key um, in terms of where to start and what to do next. Now, for our more fit moms or moms who want to take that next step, what you want to do during pregnancy is build strength in muscle groups that tend to weaken and build flexibility in muscle groups that tend to tighten. And I won't go through the list, but it's on my website, and you can go to my website, How Pregnancy Changes Your Body, and you will see, oh, okay, I need to stretch my chest. Oh, okay, I need to open my hip flexors, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. And by using that as your guide, and it doesn't matter, yoga, high-intensity interval training, Pilates, whatever you love to do, it will work if you use that. If you that is your guide in terms of how to choose what exercises that keeps the body balanced, and also helps prevent a lot of things like diastasis recti, which is also called abdominal separation, back pain, pelvic instability, you name it. Let's talk a little bit more about you know the specific health. That- issues that exercise plays a huge role in not only controlling, but preventing. And gestational diabetes is one, and you just mentioned diastasis recti. Right. Well, let's talk about GD first, gestational diabetes. That is now our society's tsunami that is coming onto shore that is not only negatively affecting moms, but also we're seeing negative health effects for babies years to come. Now, right now, what do we do about GD? Control. Nothing until we test it and find out whether you have it. Right, right. (laughs) Okay, we have to stop that. That does not work in our society. Two-thirds of moms in the United States start pregnancy high risk because they have a BMI of over 25. So if you're one of the majority of women that find yourself in that position, I want you to do two things. One is to get that 20 minutes. It's particularly helpful getting that 20 minutes right after you eat. So you give all those sugars and that energy something to do rather than put it away in storage. So that's the first key. The second key is to eat to your metabolic balance point. I like to call this the Goldilocks. Not too much, not too little, but just right for your metabolism. This is particularly important in the first trimester. 
because we're now seeing evidence that overgaining too quickly in the first try, if you start out with one of these high BMMs, BMIs, excuse me, greatly increases your risk of getting gestational diabetes. So it can be tough to do that. And that's why I published an app called The Perfect Pregnancy and Postpartum Pounds that all you need to do is you put in your height, your weight, your age, your pre-pregnancy weight, your current weight, your week of gestation, bam, you hit run metabolic calculator and my app will tell you your perfect Goldilocks target. Hmm. And if you hit that target, you will not overgain. So those two things together, preventing overgain, which is hard. Mm -hmm. If you're all by yourself, who knows what their metabolic balance point is, right? Right. That's hard to figure out. Um, most G OBGYNs, if you ask them that kind of multivariate equation, couldn't actually figure it out. Um, that and getting your basic 20 to 30 minutes of cardiovascular exercise per day will greatly reduce your risk of GD. Do you recommend strength training and flexibility training? Um, I do for, for everyone, for people who are coming in who are not sedentary. If you're completely sedentary, then walking is great. Elliptical, treadmill, swimming, aqua aerobics, and recumbent bike, that's where you're mm -hmm. sitting back a little bit mm -hmm. on an exercise bike, are all safe, are all great. Um, but in terms of strength training, if you're a newbie to strength training, I do not recommend hitting, hitting the weight room without any education. What about, what um, about body weight strength training? Like, you know, certain yoga or you know, those kinds of things. Um, I think if you're, if you are very, if you're a complete newbie and you want to get into strength training, hire a personal trainer who can teach you good mm. technique because good technique yeah. is the key. It, it doesn't matter what form of exercise you're doing. Yoga is safe. There are a lot of prenatal yogas out there that are specific um, for yoga during pregnancy. Highly recommended. Those, the vast majority of those women are highly skilled. So that's safe. Um, gentle stretching is always good and can generally be done safely. Um, but it really depends on where where you are in your body and what you're really able to handle. Very fit women. Great. Keep going in the weight room. Yeah. You know, go girl. Yeah. And there are still some people out there that think it's risky when pregnant, you know, to, to engage in really, you know, high levels of, of athletics or, you know, exercise, but loads of Olympic athletes have proven yeah. that -uh, if you're used to it and you're pregnant, you can do it. Right. Yeah. What you need to do is once your bump pops out and your abdominal muscles are stretched, that means they're no longer to, going to be able to provide nearly the same amount of st stability forces in your pelvis and, pelvis and spine. Once that happens, then it's modification time. Yeah. And a big rule of thumb is how should I modify? What should I modify? You want to modify or take out of your program any exercise that causes your bump to push away from your spine. 
So hands and knees Stuff positions. Like, hands and knees positions for most people are actually okay. Yeah. But let's say let's say you're doing an overhead press where you got free weights in your hands and you press it up and you look in the mirror and you go, wow, that really made my belly expand. Uh. <laughs> Not a good exercise for you. Um, classic one that you never want to do during pregnancy is yoga belly breathing, which is the intentional overexpansion of the abdominal wall during inhale. Um, other things that can make it do are are things like heavy squats sometimes mm -hmm. for women. It will push it out. But certainly crunches, oblique twists, almost all traditional abdominal exercises are off the menu once your bump pumps pops out. Which for most women is going to be like four or five months, more or less. It really depends, yeah. you know. I've seen women who are like 12 weeks and are like, oh, yeah, you're pregnant. You know, and then yeah, I've seen, yeah, especially with your second or third. Oh yeah, your bump cup pumps yeah. out fast. And then I've seen really yeah. fit women on their first pregnancy, twenty-two weeks, and they're still all they have showing. is a little. <laughs> they, they just have a little waist. Their waist has gotten slightly larger. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Well, let's, very variable. Let's talk a little bit about you know the early postpartum weeks. Mm -hmm. What can women do when they're, you know, fresh back from birth? Uh, the number one thing, place to start, is rebuilding your pelvic floor, especially if you've had a vaginal delivery. Mm -hmm. And then once you reconnect with your pelvic floor, you then want to connect with your deep core muscles. You want to start isolating and contracting your transverse abdominis. That is our body's internal corset. And when we contract that muscle, I'll just call it the TVA for now on, that compresses the abdominal wall. So those are the two places to start. And then when you get that under your belt, then you need to start training yourself with special specialized uh, postpartum exercises that work functional stability. Because after pregnancy, it's not just about abs, because the hormones of pregnancy relax and lengthen all of our connective tissues, including our ligaments. Ligaments are designed to hold our joints in proper positioning. So you build your pelvic floor, your TBA, and then you transition to these dynamic stability exercises after pregnancy. And then once you get that under your belt, you are safe to then branch out to any form of exercise that you love. So if listeners go to um, your website, mm -hmm. they're going to find that mm -hmm. kind of information there specifically for the... They're going to find, yep, they're going to find all this information and more <laughs> truly in depth. Um, and then of course I sell uh, workouts that actually... What we talked about, both for pre and postnatal um, uh, conditioning workouts. I like that because you know so many women um, don't have access to a yoga studio or a, you know someplace that right. yeah. So your living room, your kitchen floor, that's a good place. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And then put on your sneakers right. and go for a walk in your neighborhood. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's what you need to do. Mm -hmm. And in today's world. 
you know, these videos, you can play it on a phone, a laptop, a computer. You can hook it up to your big TV. So you can work out um, at home, get that 20 minutes in while baby naps, start restoring your core. And combining that with fitness walking, ideal. Though there is also, don't you think, a big benefit, especially during maybe the, I don't know, maybe during your pregnancy or early postpartum period, to go to a class where other women who are in the same stage of life as you mm-hmm. are, such a good way to make some friends, you know, and to, it can be pretty isolating to be a new mom. And it can be a little mm-hmm. bit lonely to be a pregnant woman who doesn't have, you know, somebody nearby. And you, if you can find a good class nearby that, specializes in prenatal or postpartum fitness, you're likely to find a tribe. Exactly. Yeah. And there are a lot of, there are stroller striders yep. run, um, uh, baby boot camp is yep. another one. Yep. Look for what's called mommy and me classes. There are yoga mommy and me yep. classes. You can take your baby, you need to breastfeed. It doesn't matter. You just pull out a breast whenever you need to do it in the middle of class. Nobody a lot cares. of parks and recreation and departments have them. It's everywhere. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And you can also, a lot of women join mom's groups after pregnancy, after childbirth, and they're great. And that's where you can then take that group of women and, hey, guess what? Now I've got a walking yeah. community. You know, where we all, you all meet somewhere and all, you know, all do our fitness yeah. walking together. Yeah. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. Well, Helene, what mm-hmm. else do we want listeners to know? Well, in general, what I want to leave people with is the concept of as women, we have both the responsibility and the opportunity to become our family's health leaders. And the way to raise healthy kids is to be a healthy role model mom. So if you want your kids to be active, you be active. You want kids to eat well, you eat well. You you know, that is how it's done by role modeling what you want your children to learn, because we all learn what we live. And the little things we do that you think, oh, it doesn't matter if I eat this or I eat that or whatever. It's actually the little tiny things, the little daily things in our lives that create a roadmap in your child's brain of simply how to be Mm -hmm. and how to Mm -hmm. live. So if you're modeling that, then, well, of course I want to be active. This is what we do, you know, and yeah, I want to eat right because yeah, I care about my body. So. One step at a time, you don't have to be superwoman about this, but thinking about that as your end goal and as you raise your kids, how can I demonstrate the health values that I want my children to adopt? That's a good tip. I like it. Well, I just have a couple more questions for you. How would you fill in the blank? Nobody ever told me that. (laughs) nobody ever told me that after I had a baby that my abdominal wall would feel like pudding. (laughs) It's a shocker, isn't it? It's It's a a shocker. shocker. (laughs) I know. I remember, you know, after my first baby, 
I, I, you know, I worked in the birth world. I knew the real, the real deal, but I was really stunned that I still looked pregnant when I walked out of the hospital. I mean, I looked really pregnant. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Everyone, everyone, everyone leaves the hospital with a six month shaped belly. Everyone. Yeah. Everyone. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Well, then my last question for you is this, where are you in your life in terms of motherhood? Wow. I'm, I'm itching for grandbabies. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get you some. <laughs> but not until everybody's ready. Oh, dang it. It's always all about them, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I'm at a part of my life. My child has fledged, you know, and is out living in the world. And that's great. Um, but in terms of motherhood, you know, I'm kind of done on the day to day. Yeah. And yet your career so is surrounded with it. Right. My career is surrounded with it. Um, you know, every once in a while, my son will call me if he needs advice, like how to buy a rug. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who else would you call and for that's that? that's great. Duh. <laughs> right. Right. So, you know, I'm still mom in that mm-hmm. sense. Um, but so, yeah, I'm kind of like, I'm ready for more babies in the family. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck with that. <laughs> I, I wish it for you, yeah. too. Yeah. Well, Helene, it's been a lot yeah. of fun to talk today. I really appreciate it. So let's tell listeners once again where they can find you. Right. So my website is befitmom.com, and it's spelled exactly how it sounds, B-E-F-I-T. M-O-M.com. And that's where they can find big details on everything and anything you want to know about prenatal and postnatal exercise and health and fitness. So that's the place to go. Great. Well, thanks, Celine. We'll talk again. It was great. Thank you so much, Jean. Bye-bye. Bye. Mama said there'll be days like this. There'll be days like this. Mama said. Mama said. Our guest today was Helene Byrne, and you can learn more about her at BeFitMom.com. The podcast I mentioned was called Dear Sugars, and the episode is called Emotional Labor, The Invisible Work Most Women Do. The article by Gemma Hartley in Harbor's Bazaar is called Women Aren't Nags, We're Just Fed Up. You can learn more about me at JeanFaulkner.com. Email me, Jean at JeanFaulkner. Tweet me at JeanFaulkner. Find Common Sense Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics on Instagram, and feel free to send me your questions. Common Sense Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics is produced by Alex Ward at Sounds Like Pictures Studios. Thanks for listening, and let's get together again next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.